Part Twelve of Thorstein of the Mere by W. G. Collingwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty One, King Hakon the Good. In Throndheim this summer sat the young King Hakon, newly come from the west country where he had wintered. He had been well received by the Throndheimers, for he promised to get back all those rights which his father, Harold Fairhair, had taken away threescore winters ago, and over and above that he was a handsome lad and well-spoken, every inch a king. Earl Sigurd of Ladia, the lord of the Throndheim countryside, was his great friend, and managed matters for him, so that he came peaceably into the power when his brother Eric Bloodaxe was once driven out and away to England. He was the blithest of all men, and the sweetest spoken and the kindest, say the stories and he was a very wise man, and set forth the laws of the people with the help of their wisest men, and in his time there was good peace amidst bonders and chapmen, so that none did hurt to other, nor to other's wealth, and plenteous were the seasons both by land and sea. So when our lads came over the sea straight from Iceland to Throndheim, they found King Hakon there, and went before him. He was big and strong, and very fair to look on, with long curling hair, and he was only of the age of sixteen winters, being a little older than Thorstein Swainson, and somewhat younger than Hundy. He asked them many things of their voyage, and where they came from and whither bound, and when they had told all their story, and said they settled to go to England, and maybe to see London town, then, said he, you will go to my home, for it was but last year that I came thence, and ever since I can remember anything I have been bred up there. I reckon it the best of all places, and would gladly live and die there, for the sake of King Athelstan, my foster-father. King, said Earl Sigurd, that is bad hearing for us Throndheimers, and for all thy people of Norway. Nay, good friend, answered Hakon, thou art hasty, for my mind was to say that I would fain be in England, if I were not called hither by the best friends I have. King Hakon bade the lads to supper in his hall, and afterwards, when they were beginning to drink their cups to Thor and the gods, came a page to Hundy and Thorstein where they sat, and said, Guess, if you have drunk enough, there is one would speak to you without. So they followed him and came into an orchard, and under the apple trees they found the young king walking alone in the sunset. Welcome, friends, said he. I owe you thanks. Thanks, king? said they. Aye, for maybe you'd rather sit at table with earls and famous men, drinking to the gods, than walk here with such as me. They said that they were glad to walk with him, and thought it no loss to leave their drinking. Hush, said he, say nothing over loud, for here in Norway folk must do as folk do. Maybe where you come from the gods are honoured with drinking after supper, and with sacrifices at the thing, and so forth. They said it was so, among most. But, said Thorstein, though I know not if thou, king, will take it in good part, many of us are no great sticklers for the old faith, and some of us... What? said the young king eagerly, but in a whisper, and looking round to see that none were by. What, lad? Some of us think, maybe, he they call White Christ is a stronger god, after all, than old Redbeard and the rest of them. And thou? said Hakon, looking earnestly at him. King, said Thorstein, my father was a prime-signed man, 
and often has he told us the story of King Athelstan and his priest, and the good words they gave him, and how his own mind was one day to forsake the sacrifices. But he was a goddy among his neighbours. It was not easy to be open about it, said he, and he died in battle. The young king looked at him sorrowfully, and thought a while. Where, think you, is he now? Nay, king, who can tell? He was a good neighbour, and gave every one his due, and died like a brave man. Ah, but, said Haken, leaning back against the tree, I have heard from a book they have in England. Whoso denieth me before men, him I will deny. That was what the Christ said. Oh, lads, it is an awful word. It comes to me in the night as I lie awake, and then I sleep and seem to hear one saying to me, Haken, I died for thee. What wilt thou do for me in all this realm of Norway that I have given thee? And then I have spoken to Earl Sigurd, and he was angry with me, and bade me hold my peace or lose everything. Oh, it's hard to be open about it, and yet, King, said Thorstein, I am but a youngster, and I have never heard sayings spoken out of books, nor even talked with a mass priest. But I have a dear friend, and she had a cross that she prayed to, and one day, she sold the cross for my sake when I was in danger, and when I asked her how she would pray, seeing she had no cross to pray to, she said that there was an old man whom she had seen after she had sold it, who bade her take comfort. For, said he, the God of the Christians, they call him the Lord, looketh at the heart. These were the words. Aye, said Haken, that is in the book. Is it? said Thorstein. Well, king, if thy heart is with that lord, is not all right? The lad Haken took the lad Thorstein in his arms, and kissed his cheek. Brother, he said, I brought you lads here to preach to you, and you have preached to me a better word than any since I was taken away from home to be a stranger among my own people, and an outcast from all kindly Christian men among the heathen. You have preached to me. Will you pray with me? They understood nothing of what he said but he knelt in the twilight on the grass, hidden among the orchard-trees, while the shouting of the braggy-cup was heard from the windows of the hall. They knelt beside him, and he said in a low voice, as if sobbing, the Lord's Prayer. Then he stood up, radiant and joyful. Brothers, he said, stay by me here and help me. I will give you all your heart can wish. Only stay and help me in this terrible loneliness." We together will win the realm for the Christ, or if we must, die like the blessed saints and martyrs, and go to be with him in heaven. Thorstein looked at the beautiful face, aglow with earnestness. King, he said, I will slay thy foes for thee, and spend my heart's blood for thee, and I will take thy faith, and break Thor down from the temple yonder, if thou wilt. Hush, dear lad, said Haken suddenly bethinking himself and looking round with the old fear. Hush, not yet. Oh, it is hard to know what to do, and there is no one to tell me. We must be gentle with them, and win them one by one. We must speak to them the words of life, and pray for them and teach them. Thorstein shook his head. I could fight them, or some of them, said he. But as to words of life, king, if they be the teaching of priests, I know nothing, for I am not even prime-signed. Ah, I forgot, said Haken, I am hasty, but you will not betray me. I thank you for your good will, and I love you for your good words, but it is other help I need. 
you are going to england lucky lads do an errand for me they said they would do anything for him then go to bishop elphia at winchester and tell him that his son hakon remembers his teaching and that he has sent two brothers of his to be christened take this token and he gave them a little cross that he drew out from his bosom and he will receive you and then if your mind is to come hither again think of me and the work i have to do again and again i thank you come to-morrow but not a word to any soul of our speech together if you love me they went to their quarters for the night and though they saw the king again it was only when others were by in a few days came some of the king's men with a rare gift for them and a message bidding them take the fair wind before it fell so they made ready and sailed out of Throndheim Firth and down the coast and when they had coasted Norway they stood out west over sea and sailed for England chapter thirty two at London at last they were come to Grimsby at the mouth of the Humber and thence the way is plain what with river and what with road to York and over the keel into Cumberland and so home and indeed the lads had a thought to lay up their ship and take the journey forth and back to see how their folk were getting on and thorstein especially to ask after raniach but for three reasons they determined to withhold themselves first that they had resolved to sail all round britain and never go home until they could tell their tale and next that king eric bloodaxe the new king of york who kept the place under king athelstan was no friend to hakon and awful tales were told about his queen, Gunhild the witch, so that they had no desire to put themselves in his power, and last, that they could not for shame forgo their errand, upon which Hakon had sent them. So they sailed round the coast until they came to the Thames and up to London. Off Billingsgate they were stopped by the boats of the officers, who brought them before the port reeve, and when they had told him their names and business, and paid toll in four silver pennies they were free to dwell there as it was now late in the year they sought a lodging in the house of a northman whom they met and in order that they might buy and sell and go freely among the londoners he brought them to a priest at the door of a church who made upon them the sign of the cross so that they should be prime signed men until they might find bishop elphia and get christening at his hands at yule was the witan held at westminster and earls and thanes and bishops flocked together and among them the man they sought then they had their desire and did their errand to him giving him the token of the cross and the message of the young king the bishop wept over the tale for joy that hakon still bore in mind his teaching and for sorrow that he should be out there alone among the heathen and yet said he is it not written behold i send you forth as lambs among wolves may the lord grant his young child the wisdom of the serpent and the harmlessness of the dove and in due time give him to see of the travail of his soul then the lads asked that they might be christened and the bishop gave them in charge to one of his priests who taught them as much as was needful to know and afterwards they were baptized but when they spoke of going back to norway he smiled and said, It is other help than yours that Hakon needs. You have done well in bringing this message, and no better news could be brought. As for his heart's desire, 
I take you two as the first fruits of it. Do you depart in peace, to be shining lights in your own land? Without doubt, when Haken is established in his kingdom, he will send for priests fitted to teach his people, and never fear but there will be labourers for the harvest. And here we may say that old stories tell how the bishop died some seven years after this, and was worshipped as a prophet and a saint. But the young king spoke first to one, and then to another of his own friends, and those about him in Norway, and without any other help of man, won them over to the Christian faith. And when many were thus converted, he ventured to send for priests and to hold open worship. But he was overborne by the common people, who would have nothing to do with the new doctrines. So for many a long year it was a struggle between them, and every man that the king won over, he counted gain, and every time the Throndheimers forced King Hakon to come to their sacrifices and share their feasts, they reckoned it gain to their side, even if they had done no more than make him smell the steam of the horse-flesh a-boiling in Thor's kettle. But for such backsliding as this, the king blamed himself in secret, and went on in lifelong fear of the doom of a castaway, hoping from year to year that things would turn out so that he might lay aside his crown and become a monk and end his days in penitence. But his rule was so good that his people would not let him go, and yet he still found it hard to be open about it, and at last died in battle and was buried by the heathen with a great burial, as if he had been one of them. Now when the spring was come, Hundi and Thorstein took their leave, and sailed out of the Thames and round the south coast, calling as they went at one port and another by the way, and always increasing their store, until they came at last to Bristol, which was the great slave market for the Irish trade in those days, and a thriving city. And thence they sailed down the Severn to those settlements of Northmen at Temby and Milford and Haverford, and so up the coast of Bretland, as they then called Wales, in whose firths, as in those of Morecambe and Solway, many a Viking had refuged betwixt Lundy and Orm's Head. From Orm's Head it was but a short passage to the Bay of Morecambe, and by now they were wearied of seafaring, and longed for home. And as they sailed briskly by the shores of Amounderness, over the tossing green waves, Thorstein felt himself already in the arms of his lass, and the spray from the boughs where he sat, with half-shut eyes, seemed like her hair blown about his face. At last the black coom rose over the sea-line, higher and higher, and then the green woods, and then the yellow sands. There was Ravenside, there was Bearhead's Edge, there was the bonny leaven between its dear old hills. Eh, mother and orm and all, it's right good to be home again, says Thorstein heartily. But where is she? Orm turned on his heel and went out. Unna kissed Thorstein. There were tears in her eyes. Chapter 33 Thorstein's Welcome Spilt milk, they said. His mother assured him of it. Orm nodded aye, and it was so and the thralls, men and maids, cried, What, Master Thorstein is bad to suit. There's maize in plenty and bonny ones too, for a well-favoured young man like thee to light on. 
Raniach had run away, and Orm, the good brother, had followed to fetch her back. He had tracked her with difficulty to the ship strand near Ulfa's town. There he had seen her aboard a merchant ship, and there he had spoken to her, and she had laughed and waved her hands. And that very night a storm had come, and the ship had gone down with all aboard. Not a doubt of it there was. He could ask anyone about the great storm two winters ago was haytime. And as for this ship, why, folk at Ravenside were still using the wreckage of her for fire-elding, or were doing so in winter. And the worst of it was that the finest of Thorstein's clothes and jewels, the things he had saved and left under Raniac's charge against the wedding, were all a-wanting, to the amount that a body might bundle up and carry off without other hands or help. Again the mother said, She bade me farewell. And the servant said, We spied her start. And Orm said, I called her on board and she would not come back. And they all swore to the storm and the shipwreck as matters of common knowledge. Hmph, said Hundy Snail, I didn't think she'd have done it. Thorstein was quite beaten down, and had nothing to say. He went to Ravenside and saw folk burning bits of the wreck that ran upon their sands two years ago last haytime. They remembered it well, and how the shipfolk yelled, and what a crowd of corpses drifted ashore next morning. And oh ay, there was a lass with red hair among them, no doubt. Ay, bonny lasses and all. She's gone, sure enough, poor things, said Hundy but I don't understand it somehow. Nor I, said Anna. Maybe, said Orm. She had some notion of meeting with Thorstein. She was always having inklings of one thing and another, what with dreams and with fancies, and maybe she was taking the gear to make her wedding with him, for she seemed a bit nicked in the head. I wouldn't call it stealing. What's mine is thine, the saying is. It's kind of the Orm to speak up for her, said Thorstein. Above all, when I think she didn't suit thee over well. Huh, said Hundy, very kind of Orm. When the seafarer's tale was told, and all their goods shown, who but Hundy and Thorstein were the pride of the place? Folk came from far and near, and they said that it was none but their own lads would go up and down the round world, starting as youngsters with naught to speak of, and landing home great strapping men, who had supped with kings and fought with earls. "'And courted the king's daughters and kissed the earl's sisters,' added a saucy voice. "'And brought home a shipload that would be worth, I reckon, about twice thy father's stock, beasts, thralls, and all.' "'Well, father, we always said Thorstein Swainson was a good lad, and would turn out well. For here was Mistress Astis Asmund's daughter, of Asmunderly over the fell.' as blithe as ever and bonnier if that could be, anyway more womanly grown, with a little motherly manner towards Thorstein, as if she were very sorry for him. Lee said, soonest mended, but she would make him forget it after a while, and then there was nobody but was thankful to her, for they had been dreading the day of his return, and fearing how he would take it. But Asdis was that clever, she twisted them all round her fingers, and him in particular, as wankle as a wet sark. If Thorstein was moody and dismal, Hundy was jolly enough for both. To be home again after a three years' voyage, 
and to be made much of wherever he went and to be master of his half share in that rich cargo let alone the ship and boat stock all this made him welcome at every neighbour's as to his christening they said he could suit himself it seemed that it meant money anyhow and so it was no surprise when hundy begged his brothers to don their best clothes and come with him to mansrigs a-wooing nor when after the hand-fasting he took land up the crake and began to build him a house against the wedding thorstein was glad of the job and worked right hard for hundy and before yule they had the rearing supper and at yule the wedding feast and started housekeeping merrily with a full larder and the best of good will from all thorstein went to live with them as foreman of the farm and there was a deal to do this winter clearing land and getting ready a thwaite for tilling in the spring hundy meant to buy beasts and pasture them in the fell and meanwhile he had plenty to live on haldora manny's daughter was the name of the bride she was a right good sort and hundy was that fond of her and she of him that thorstein could not but laugh many's the time as they three sat together by the new hearth of nights but if he laughed he would fetch a deep sigh and then take a turn up and down the floor and haldora would get off the knees of her good man and go to thorstein and bid him pluck up his heart and she would take his arm and walk up and down a bit with him then hundy calls out from the hearth laughing now mistress no carryings on with my brother it's me is thy man never fear she answers coming back to him the poor boy is sore at heart and pity it is when the finest lass in the countryside would take him at the first word what astis ay would she many's the time she's told me that she meant to get him too and i'm sure there's no cleverer nor bonnier nor better bred he might do a deal worse end of part twelve